Broadcasting across the galaxy, you're listening to Radio Dakar, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to the animated series Star Wars Resistance. Alright, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I am your host, Doug Brooks, and today we are reviewing Episode 3 of Star Wars Resistance, Fuel for the Fire. This was the last of the early preview episodes that they put on the Disney Now app. Uh, It aired on Disney and Disney XD this week. Uh, If you haven't noticed, um, they are airing on Disney XD now. At least in the Eastern Time Zone of the U.S., I've noticed they're doing 9 a.m. showings and also at night uh, during the week. But it looks like they're still running new episodes on Sunday nights at 10 on regular Disney Channel. But I imagine going forward they'll be putting the episodes on the Disney Now app. It looks like 3 a.m. Eastern, um, midnight Pacific. Uh, So hopefully... Uh, episode 4, The High Tower, will be uh, available on the Disney Now app early Sunday morning for everybody. But we're talking about fuel, fuel for the Fire today. And when I first saw the pre- the synopsis of the episode before the series started, it mentioned um, the hyperfuel and, and another... Uh, racer being played by the guest uh, star that I assumed it would be Kaz racing and then he would have the opportunity to cheat in the race with the fuel so that there would be a lesson about it's not right to cheat you need to earn it the right way turns out this is not exactly what we got but I do like what we did get so I will talk about it and we did have a synopsis of upcoming episodes uh, released this week uh, the Wookiee Gunner posted those on Twitter, and I'll give you the website for them. They are, it is at TWG site, T-W-G-S-I-T-E. They're a great follow. They have lots of information about resistance, so definitely worth a follow. But I will do those at the very end of the episode, so if you want to go in clean without any information, I'll save that for the ends. That way you can turn the podcast off, and you won't be spoiled in any way. Uh, but right now I'm just going to go through Fuel for the Fire and hit the major high points. Now, so, so the first thing we see is they're in the middle of one of the sky races with the aces. And that's a recurring thing throughout the episode that we just get quick shots of them racing. And again it goes back to what I mentioned in the first episode that the aces are not the concentration of the series, it's Team Fireball, but we see them out there doing their thing from the distance. And it's very much the athletes who are highly regarded but are unattainable for everyday people. Kaz is is trying to get there, and so is uh, Jace, who I'll talk about later. So that theme has continued that the racers are not godlike, but just high, uh, just up there racing while we're down here watching. Now I do wonder, and I might need to ask somebody on Twitter about this, do the rings 
change? Do they redo the configuration for the races? Because it seems like it'd be boring if it for the racers, not not the viewers necessarily, if the racetrack or the course is the same every time. Do they mix it up, move the rings around so that you don't know exactly what your next move is going to be? Uh, do they make more difficult circuits? I'm curious about that. I'll have to find out. Or maybe that's addressed in a future episode where there's more rings and it's a harder course to complete without crashing. But we uh, get to see Team Fireball. We see Kaz hard at work. And it seems like he's working harder at becoming a mechanic. We got a little bit of that at the end of the last episode, The Triple Dark, where he's actually putting in effort to uh, do the job. And it seems like he's continuing that, so that's good to see his growth as a character there. Uh, that it's not just about the spying. Not really any spying in this episode, uh, per se, uh, in regard to the First Order. But he's working on being a mechanic, even though a little bit later in the episode he tells Yeager, I'm not a mechanic. Well, even though he may not think that, he's doing a better job acting like it. So that's good to see. Uh, he's trying to get uh, an engine fixed, and he's talking uh, talking to it, trying to get it to work. And Niku points out, the engine is not sentient. Which is funny to me, and I don't know if they did this on purpose, but it remind, it makes me think of what we know about L3 from Solo. Hopefully you've seen it by now, where L3's brain is put into the Falcon, so the Falcon is literally sentient. And it makes all the references in Empire Strikes Back especially great when 3PO is talking to the Falcon. We know why. So, I'm not saying the engine is sentient, but that, that, that seems to be something they're bringing up more in the Star Wars universe now is the purpose of machines and the, the free will of them. So it was, it was just a cute moment. But it may, may hint at something further, I don't know. And then we get this great visual where Kaz wants to watch the race, but because the engine is running and it's vibrating, it vibrates itself off the platform. And it was such a great visual to see Kaz so intent on the race and BB-8 notices. And then we have it in the foreground is the engine just puttering past the screen. And that is such great comedy to see what he doesn't. And we know we know what's coming and it's, it's vibrating and there's nothing that can be done about it even though BB-8 is trying. Kaz finally notices, and then, but it's too late and... Again, another great visual and comedy moment where we see from a very long distance the engine dropping into the ocean. That was just a great work by the uh, designers and animators on this episode to um, show the humor of that moment from those perspectives. Just a great job. I loved that moment. I thought it was so funny. My son enjoyed it too. He enjoyed several things, and I'll get to those. I also like that we found out the engine is clearly water resistant even though it gets water logged. You know, they pull it up and you can see the water dripping out. And so he can continue working on it, which he does. 
it also answers a question I had. I didn't bring it up in the first episode review, but because the sky races take place on an ocean planet, there's going to be a lot of crashes, and even Kaz crashes at the end of um, the recruit. So I kept wondering, you know, how water resistant are these ships and their parts? Well, apparently pretty good because, you know, the ship can crash, the fireball did, and they're able to fix it without the water destroying the circuits or internal systems. Same with the engine here. So that, that was nice to see that it can be fixed even though it goes in the water. Another thing that was good about this episode is we got more of a father-son relationship with Yeager and Kaz. Not just boss and employee. Uh, that's threaded throughout. It was a little more prominent last time. But especially as we learn a little bit more about Yeager, which I will get to in this episode. He's having to be very stern with Kaz. Keep him on task. Try to teach him about what's important. That's a continuing thing. And Kaz being resistant, especially when he gets in with a bad crowd. And it makes me think, how does this differ from Kaz's relationship with his actual father, uh, with Hamada Ziono? Because we only saw that one bit by, via hologram in the first episode. So I wonder is, does Yiga remind Kaz of his dad, or is Yiga even more stern? I hope that's addressed later on, that we see more compare and contrast of the father-son relationships that uh, Kaz has to deal with in his life. I think by the end of the episode, he and Yeager are becoming, having more of an understanding. And I think that's good. It shows their development. But it, it's just nice to see that threaded throughout this episode, uh, their interactions, and Yeager having to stay on Kaz. Still has a good heart, saving him at the end giving him more leeway to let him clean the parts while he's watching the race. Even though more hijinks ensue with the engine. And we get another visual that I loved. So I'm really liking the relationship. I hope it continues to develop. And I'm sure it will. We get another scene at Aunt Z's. Continue to love her as a character. And we also get uh, Garma, who is the older alien lady that was fl flirting with Kaz invited him to lodge with her if any of you saw Kevin Smith's animated clerks series there were there was a couple of times there was this older lady who was trying to hit on Jay or no it wasn't Jay. it was either Jay or Randall might have been Randall uh, it reminded uh, Garma reminded me of that old lady in the animated series. It, it was really cute. Nice moment. It's a callback later when she sees him in the hallway. But uh, the scene at Aunt Z's allows us to meet Jason uh, Rucklin, played by Elijah Wood from Lord of the Rings and other things. A really solid guest appearance. I thought he did a good job with the role. Uh, there's potential for further appearances, which I will get to. Even though it's played by Elijah Wood, who we can see him very clearly in our minds, I do like that Jace 
what was animated to look like Draco Malfoy from Harry Potter. And I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I just liked because in some ways he's like Malfoy. Um, although Malfoy hated Harry from the start. Um, but just that antagonistic relationship that develops and Jace using Kaz for his own purposes. Before I go any further, I do want to mention, and I, f I neglected to mention this on either of the first two reviews, they continue to use the wipes to transition between scenes that has been ongoing since the first Star Wars. Um, although, you know, they haven't used it in the Star Wars stories, but in the saga films, wipes transitioned us, and I thought they're doing an excellent job with the subtle use of wipes on Resistance so far. The best one was in the middle, middle of this episode after uh, the speeder bike race, there's a circle wipe that goes through one of the sky rings. And that was brilliant. It just looks so awesome. So good job to them for bringing back a Star Wars staple in the visuals and making good use of it depending on what's on screen. So, yes, we move on to the speeder bike race, uh, which Jace uses to gain Kaz's trust, get him in his little group. Um, as we see, they rigged one of the bikes to malfunction so that he would have to be rescued. Now, this is this might be my son's favorite part of the episode, as far as the visuals, because he loved the speeder bikes, loved the speeder bike race. He just thought it was fun. He's loved any sort of the racing or speeder bike scenes in the movies. Um, if, if, if any of you have gone to Hollywood Studios at Walt Disney World, they have an Imperial speeder bike with an indoor background uh, on which you can take pictures. I've got a picture of him, and I might post it on Twitter. Um, it's a picture of him dressed as Luke from Tatooine, on the speeder bike using the force. He, he just loves that sort of thing, so he kind of geeked out when there was a little bit of a speeder bike race over the water. I loved it because, and I've talked about it so far each episode, just the visuals on Castellan with the Colossus and what would be a basic environment with just a water planet, but they have done such a good job with time of day and the cloud cover, and in, in this case, we see the sun overhead, and just the beauty of the water as the speeder bikes go across and create those streams. And uh, there's a spray of water as the one bike wipes out. Just these little subtle animation things on such a simple environment are so beautiful. So great job to everyone involved with the animation. I will probably talk about it every episode because it is so nice. And another, okay, this was in Bucket's List. So I'm glad I considered recording this last week when I was kind of on a roll with uh, the last episode, but I wanted to wait for Bucket's List to come out in case there was any additional information. And there was. They talk about 
the importance of the colors in Jace and his crew's outfits. They're very muted colors, like subtle reds and yellows, uh, stuff like that. It's not as bright as the Aces or even Kaz's uh, green jacket. And they said that was on purpose to reflect that the muted colors are for like lower level people on the Colossus who are hopeful racers or trying to get to that position. Whereas the um, Aces, they have achieved that status. So they're, they have the wealth, they have the means to get more colorful uh, outfits and customize ships and pretty much whatever they want. Uh, again, I referred to Better Call Saul is probably the gold standard for uh, live action as far as uh, using color to demonstrate the mood of the scene. Um, I mentioned they use warm tones to reflect good intentions or good people, and then whenever cool tones show up in outfits or scenery, that's when you know something bad is going to happen. So, another great job with the use of color. It's, it's the best use of color in Star Wars, probably, to this point. So all these muted colors for the grunts, I guess you could say. Um, the wannabes, and then the bright visuals of the aces. I'm glad they pointed that out, because I wouldn't have really thought about it. But it goes back to what I had mentioned last week, too. So as I said, the episode I thought initially would be about the the wrongness of cheating. It, instead, it's more about the... And it's been done many times on probably other Disney shows, but anything involving kids or adolescents about not hanging around with a bad crowd and being able to, just because they seem cool and take the easy way out, you know, oh, you want to hang out with them. But, and Niku does a great job uh, talking about it to Kaz. They, they're lazy and they're just trying to have fun. Um, but, and Kaz, throughout the episode, knows what they're doing is wrong, and he's like, I don't think we should be doing this, you know, that's, that's not the right thing, so, and then that's a good lesson for the kids, and it was something my son was able to see, that just because the crowd seems cool, and are doing things one way, doesn't mean that's the best way, and that you should still think about what's right and what's wrong. So, okay, another one of my favorite things. When we're in Jace's garage and they're working on his custom ship, it, there's background music, like they're playing the radio, almost, or they're listening to it, or whatever, a CD or MP3 would be in the Star Wars galaxy, but listen to background music. And that was so cool. It reminded me of on Rebels when they are setting up the base on Adalon and Ezra and Zeb are just hanging back listening to rock music or the Star or the that galaxy's equivalent of rock music on what seems like a radio. It's kind of a um I think they were going for, like, 
uh, break during the war, uh, the Vietnam War, when they just have a moment to, you know, listen to rock music on the beach. So that that hasn't been done very much, but just when there's background music, and you know, there okay, there is music that they listen to in this galaxy, and and that that's very common to ha- just have the radio going in a garage when you're working on things, so you it's not mundane silence. Nice subtle thing that were right there that I really liked. So they talked to Kaz about uh, Yeager's past as a racer and that he has his own ship, not the Fireball. Which, we don't get to see that ship in this episode. We may soon, based on I'm just going off what we have seen in the extended trailer. It's not really a spoiler. So that that may exist that uh, Yeager has his own ship because it's, it, which would make sense because if he has his own ship and then it seems like Tam is supposed to get the fireball at some point I'll get to more about her in a minute but we don't get to see his ship but they want the hyperfuel so they're in Yeager's quarters or office that's when we get to see his racing trophies so we know that they're not making that up that he is an accomplished racer like Kaz hopes to be and you know Kaz has his own trophy but I've got to talk about the pictures that Kaz looks at in the office and then Yeager reacts to when he's putting it back on the shelf he's got that smile like it's great memories so it is established that and Buckus List filled this in a little bit too Yeager was an X-Wing pilot at the Battle of Jakku that was awesome just that picture of them celebrating with the crash star destroyer in the background. He didn't even need to say Jakku. You know where that took place. And as I've said on previous episodes, they have explored the Battle of Jakku in Aftermath and Lost Stars. On the Battlefront 2 game, you get to play that as a level. So, and they've mentioned it in the Poe comic. The more that they reveal about the Battle of Jakku and who participated, I will eat that up. That that is really cool. I mean, they could have gone the easy way and had had that shot on indoor, but he but Eager, no, this is new canon. This, you know, they're filling in a new battle that we haven't seen in a movie. Eager was at the final defeat of the Empire, which you know he mentions in the first episode, the Empire is in the past. Yeah, he put it to bed. He was there. And then the other picture we get with his family, and people ident- immediately identified it in Bucket's List to confirm, that picture was taken on Batu, the planet they're building at Disney World for Galaxy's Edge. I said that in the second episode. I n- figured they would find a way to incorporate that into the show. And here it is. I don't know if we'll actually visit there, but super cool connection. Now, we don't know anything about his wife and son, what their fates are. That's a mystery I'm sure will be explored. Um, I, I don't, this may just be hopeful headcanon, but we don't know anything about his wife, but it would be so awesome if it turned out to be uh, Valeria from Blue Squadron in Freemaker Adventures, uh, who is played by... Um, Yvette Nicole Brown from Community. I know Freemaker is kind of a pseudo-canon, but 
it was the first time we saw Hera after Rebels, and then we saw her in other things, so I, I, the way I feel, if, if the characters on there, they existed and they were part of the story, that would be a neat little nod if that was his wife, but it doesn't have to be. Sure, we'll find out more about his family. So just nice little teases there. And, and while they're in the office, when Eager comes in, he mentions to Tam, you know, he's giving Kaz a break. He, um, he gave her one. Okay, what break was that? And it goes back to my guess that she's the leading contender to be the spy for the First Order, or the collaborator. You know, what situation was in that he gave her a break and brought her on board? Did she create a situation that would get her onto the Colossus to become that collaborator? I mean, it could be something just down on her luck, needed a boost. And that's what Yeager was talking about. But if that was an orchestrated situation to get her in the position she is so she could be a spy... I'm sure they'll talk about that. There's a lot of foreshadowing here um, in that one scene. Um, but we'll see. It just stuck out to me. So the uh, Jace does steal the hyperfuel. Um, it's not called coaxium, but it is referred to as Corellian hyperfuel, so it goes right back to Solo. Uh, my son did love... Uh, bucket and the sounds he made when he noticed the fuel was missing and was freaking out and went back to let Team Fireball know about it. Uh, yeah, he was starting to become an enduring character for him, even though he loves BB-8. And then as Kaz it realizes they're using the Harpy Fuel and is trying to stop the race, uh, we see the janitor again, who I love as a character. Uh, Bucket's List revealed that his name is... It's O-P-E-E-P-I-T, so... O-P-P-I-T? O-P-P-I-T? Uh, his uh, species is Fregosian. And they they said they intentionally made his goggles, so he always looked mad. Because... And it seems like he's always cleaning uh, with his little floor buffer, and people are always running past, uh, making it worse. So, one of my favorite background characters, him and uh, the Barfly... And I will go back to the the sound the sound animation again. Jace's racer as it is getting revved up goes back to the pod race and how each of those engines had a different sound. But so you have that familiar engine sound, but then that whine that builds up and where it's the hyperfuel um, working working itself in. It's such a unique, something we hadn't heard before, where there's an, that element underneath. That, that wine was just great. And you can tell it, just the imminent danger that is going to pop. And again, every episode where there's racing or launching of the ships, like in the last episode where they had to fight off the pirates, anytime there's any sort of prepare to move out music Michael Tra Travera does such a good job building it up and getting it just kinetic I mean, that might be a good word for it 
just the crescendo and the speeding up the music it just gets you in the mood to watch some watch some ships going at it so Kaz saves Jace from getting blown up and we find out that BB-8 is freaking strong that his he can use his cable to hold up two dudes who are probably 300 pounds together um, and then with the help of Yeager pulling him up but yeah BB-8 he's got some strong cables if he can hold on to them and not roll off the side of the platform so nice little tidbit there about the physics of BB-8 now so Jace you know blames Kaz for everything that happened Kaz is doing a great job making enemies on the Colossus Greville doesn't like him Jace doesn't like him Jace says he'll get back at him so as I mentioned either last episode or the one before that's the great thing about the Colossus it's big enough to where as long as we're going to the same locations like Aunt Z's and Acquisitions we'll see the same characters and get to know them better but it's big enough to where characters like Greville and Jace can disappear for a few episodes and you're not wondering where they are and they're just oh it's a big thing and they're off doing their own thing Jace has to go try to build a new racer so hopefully they'll bring Elisha Wood back but it doesn't have to be now it can be like 10 episodes from now 15 and you won't really wonder well why haven't we seen him on the ship or on the platform well because it's a big platform he's he's somewhere doing his own thing so hopefully he will be back um he was a good foil for Kaz and taught him some good lessons so Yeager is there st- staring at Doza Tower which we will find more out more about next episode and, uh, and like I say I'll save it for the end of the episode but I'm sure we'll find out more about Yeager and like his issues with Captain Doza so as we get near the end of the episode we get you know the lesson you know Yeager tells Kaz you're not a great spy you're not yet a good mechanic but you're a good person and that's the message my son took away from the episode and he, he was asking me about it when it was over he's like so the important thing is to be a good person I said yes just be a good person and the rest of it takes care of itself as far as your skills and your trades so great job to writer Eugene Son for getting that message across be a good person and then the rest will take care of itself so yeah my boys enjoyed it for the visuals but there were some good lessons to take away from this and I'm glad it made an impression on my kid. And then we end with the engine falling again and the great visual. And I will give a shout out to Christopher Sean. I mean, he, he's done an outstanding job the whole series. But I loved the range he gave in this episode where Kaz has to be very thoughtful when he realizes things, you know, things that Jace wants to do are bad. And. Uh, he's very contemplative uh, when he's arguing with Yeager about uh, what he wants to do. But then just the very comical moments where he's freaking out because the engine's about to go over the side or 
he's he's afraid they're going to die because Jace didn't pack a parachute. Great job, Christopher. Love you in this episode. So, next week we move on to the High Tower, which I have not seen. Can't wait for Sunday. Um, so, that was it for my review. Uh, you can cut it off now if you want. Um, again, you can find me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Radio Dakar, R-A-D-I-O-D-Q-A-R. Um, feel free to let me know what you thought of the ep- uh, of the Resistance episode, what you thought of the podcast. Um, if you have any questions, maybe I can uh, help get it answered for you. So moving on. Uh, if you don't want to be spoiled for any further episodes, you can cut it off now. But So we did get a couple of previews for next week. Uh, we do get that meeting between Major Von Reg and Captain Doza that was teased in one of the trailers. We got, got an extended scene at Aunt Z's where the power's cut off to the station, but there's still power at Doza Tower. Again, to show their um, high status. So, yeah, I'm excited uh, for this episode coming up. Uh, the fact that we're getting more of the First Order's intentions and, and everything, like why do they want the Colossus so bad? I raised that last um, episode. Uh, Jonah Marie Macias wrote about it on uh, Culture S, like not long after I posted the episode. So hopefully we find out more about that with the First Order next week. So really quick, I will just go over the episode synopses for our November episodes. Uh, episode, so it would be episode five, is the Children from Tahar. First, will first air on November fourth. Uh, the synopsis is: Kaz searches for two missing children for a sizable reward, only to discover the First Order is also hunting for them. Gwendolyn Christie returns as Captain Phasma. So we're going to get two First Order heavy episodes in a row. Uh, that will be good. Um, next episode is Signal from Sector 6. When out on a routine training exercise, a distress signal sends Kaz and Poe to a damaged ship with strange life forms aboard. Oscar Isaac returns as Poe Dameron. So this will be the first episode since the pilot that we're off Castellon. And um, this should be some of the dogfighting at that station or asteroid field that we saw in the trailer. I'm excited to see that. Maybe we'll get more New Republic um, ships and information. Episode after that is Sinara's score. On a mission to repair a vital platform defense, Kaz befriends the mysterious Sinara and comes under attack by pirates. Jim Rash and Bobby Moynihan return as Flix and Orca, respectively. I mentioned her um, last episode. Sinara was one of the pirates. She was the co-pilot on Kragen's um, repurposed Imperial shuttle. Yet we thought there would be more to her because we saw her in the trailer. I can't wait. In the, in the pirate episode, I raved about it, of course. Can't wait to see this. And the last episode for November is the Platform Classic. An upcoming race reunites Yeager with his estranged brother Marcus, who needs to win to pay off his debt to a criminal organization. So this may be the episode where we get a lot more information about Yeager and his family, where they are, maybe uh, some of his past in the Rebellion. So, yeah, November, uh, these next few episodes look to be great. Can't wait to review them. So that will wrap it up. I will see you next week for my review of The High Tower. Until then, 
May the force be with you.